I went to a marvelous party. Christopher, this is only going to work if we speak one at a time. Fine, you first, Eric. Strip in beautiful West Hollywood, California. It's the Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn, the internet's first live comedy variety show. Featuring special correspondents from the worlds of entertainment, politics, and lousy relationships. Everyone gets served. Tonight's live cast is streaming to you through thedinnerpartyshow.com with your hosts, New York Times best-selling novelist Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Good evening, I'm Christopher Rice. <laughs> I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, <laughs> and you're listening to the Dinner Party Show's live cast for June 30th, 2013. Mm-hmm. Tonight, we will not be talking about the fact that the U.S. Congress left early for a week-long vacation, sticking it to millions of American college students and their families when they failed to prevent interest rates on student loans from doubling <sighs> on Monday, July 1st. Mm. We're not talking about it because we're actually not that surprised that Congress couldn't be bothered to do anything other Mm -hmm. than vote for stricter abortion controls Mm -hmm. and to repeal Obamacare. Mm -hmm. But mostly we're not talking about it because the Supreme Court overturned Prop 8 and we kind of have equal rights to celebrate this week. Girl! (laughs) Also, not being discussed on tonight's live cast, the ridiculous announcement from Indian airline Go Air that it will only be hiring slender, exactly, slender female flight attendants in order to improve its, wait for it, fuel efficiency on its airplanes. Oh, that is so environmentally conscientious of them. (laughs) Well, you took all the big news stories this week, so I had to scrape the bottom (laughs) of the barrel. Anyway, who gives a shit about Go Air anyway? But given that its fleet is made up entirely of single-aisle jets with a maximum crew load of four people... We're pretty sure this has nothing to do with the junk in the trunk and everything to do with bringing on the funk. Now, you're not sorry that that's the headline you picked (laughs) when you got to say that on the air. I could spin that about any story. Listen, guys, you're an airline. No need for the misdirection. Own up to it so you can be like all the other badly run, hormone-driven companies that go down in flames after their management fires all the unattractive senior employees who actually knew how to do their job. Right? Mm Mm-hmm the hell with experience. (laughs) Also this week, we will not be discussing Paula Deen because everyone else already is. And if Reverend Jackson thinks it's time to forgive her and move on, that's really good enough for us. Preach. Also, if you hadn't heard, the Supreme Court declared DOMA unconstitutional, which actually was more in defense of marriage than the so-called Defense of Marriage Act was in the first place, despite its name, since it was mostly about preventing marriage rights, not protecting them. It's almost like gay people are citizens in this country, just in time for the 4th of July. Girl, too. <laughs> Indeed. Also, not being discussed on tonight's broadcast and bringing down the room several notches, any reports 
report that civil rights leader Nelson Mandela has passed away that has not been independently verified by at least three reputable news sources. Here at the Dinner Party Show, we don't get our news from The Onion, The Daily Current, or random social media posts that link back to fly-by-night websites no one's ever heard of before. And we're serious about this. The sad passing of a leader this monumental would be a story of enormous impact. So please, journalists and random Facebook friends, don't force this sad loss upon us before it's time. Here's hoping he actually gets better. Here's hoping. Also, while we'd really appreciate it if Alec Baldwin, who we really want to love, would stop using gay slurs as curse words to defend his wife, which he totally should have done because that reporter was totally out of line. Defend his wife, you mean. I mean, not use the slurs. (laughs) Right. Right. We will not be discussing it, however, because we just hit the civil rights jackpot at the Supreme Court this week, so we're declaring it Justice Kennedy Week at the Dinner Party Show, and guess what we want to talk about. Now, let's Dance. And we will. And as for everything else, it is so on the table on tonight's live cast of The Dinner Party Show. And now, here to give tonight's provocation for The Dinner Party Show is a male prostitute. Hey, yo, what's up? So, dinner's cool. It's gonna be like an hour, right? Oh, no. Oh, oh okay, two hours. Okay, so that's gonna be like twice my normal rate, but that's cool, right? Is that cool? Okay, okay, that's that's cool, good. And yeah, God is great. I can totally do like a God thing. Sure, you just need to let me know which God you're going to want me to do because I do this Kabbalah thing that helps me grow. Okay, so you want another God. Okay, awesome. Okay, awesome. Also, do you want me to wear? It doesn't matter what I wear. Okay, great, great. Okay. All right, so bless all of us, I guess. Uh, and, uh, oh, how, how many people is it going to be? Because that can change the rate a little. Okay, talk about it later okay uh, all right sure all right so bless our dinner party which is gonna be like a two-hour rate thing and uh, you saw my hourly rate when you looked at my okay yeah okay bless our dinner bless my hourly rate and bless whatever god you want uh, i can totally be into any of them awesome let's go amen play that song over and over and uh, it's over been playing again. over and over in my head all week i feel like i actually finally turned 21 it mm. took me 54 years to turn 21 for the first time in my adult life mm-hmm. as long as i stay within the borders of the state of california my life is just sort of like most everybody else's. I mean, there's still some things we want to right. sand the sharp edges off of but i'm sure pretty much everybody can say that but right with these rulings, it's like, yeah, I could see, you know, it's not like I'm pining away for anybody or like I'm heading down the aisle. And frankly, when I do, I'm not going to rush about it because I want a great, big, giant, ridiculous wedding. But So do I. And I'm not going to feel guilty about that. I want a big, stupid wedding. I want fireworks to go off when I kiss Tom Daly for the first time on the uh, altar. Uh, yeah, I was happy for Chris and Sandy and Jeff and is it Paul? I can't remember. It's Paul Katami. Yeah, absolutely. I was happy for them, but I also felt like, wow, you guys went to a lot of trouble to get married at City Hall. Don't you want a big <laughs> 
church wedding? Well, maybe not church, but you know what I mean. Diva, diva, diva. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a, it is a matter of time. You said something about staying within the bounds of California. I think within about 24 or 48 hours after the DOMA decision came down, they both came down on the same day, but it was the DOMA decision that led a federal judge in Michigan to dismiss their ban on domestic partner benefits. It's unconstitutional. That's so sad. I know all the, all the gay rights leaders are trying to sort of soothe the nerves of the professional bigots like Brian Brown and Tony Perkins by saying, well, we don't, it's just a matter of time, you know, because they're saying, oh, it's the, everything's falling. It's going to be mandatory gay marriage. I saw a tweet online that said, that mandatory gay marriage instituted. Straight people report to your gay partners immediately. That would be terrific. <laughs> I would actually be okay with that. No, I don't want to make anybody do anything, but I'm so, it's so, I cannot, I was talking with my sister about it and she said, I can't really understand how you feel because you can't. Like, right. I have played on 4th of July all of my life, I have played Nina Simone's I Wish That I Knew How It Feels to Be Free. And I kind of think I sort of, this week, yeah. I actually kind of yeah. do know right. how it feels to be right. free. I may just play I Just Want to Fucking Dance this year. Over for, and over, over and, and over, over for 4th of July this year. Because that's uh, yeah. how I feel, just free for the yeah. first time. I didn't think it would happen in my lifetime. I really didn't. When I was younger, I didn't. I mean, more recently, I thought the momentum had well, gathered strength. you're pretty old now. I'm not that fucking old. I'm 30 years <laughs> old. I'm not that old. Blankety blank. I'm blankety five. Blankety, blankety five. five. No, but I remember being a teenager and it being this fringe thing that had happened in Hawaii and then been immediately destroyed and voted down. You know, and I remember thinking, God, this is really, people are just never going to be okay with that. And I remember believing that, it, I remember being the guy that would say to his friends, we're going to have to have a different word for it if it's ever going to pass we're going to you know we're going to have to call it something else just to make you know assholes comfortable yeah and now we don't now we don't right exactly. now we don't and maybe one day when somebody says a mean word about us like some cooking woman said <laughs> recently it'll actually be a big scandal people will actually like be like oh that's a mean horrible thing yeah. to say as opposed to god did you see that guy from Brian Brown's Brian horrible Brown. organization saying that it was lawlessness on the part yeah. of the Ninth Circuit. I mean, that's really kind of a contradiction in terms, isn't I, it? I, I, yeah. Can I, the Court of yeah. Appeals be lawless? Like, well, yeah. actually, they're the law. So yeah. Yeah. whatever they say kind of is. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. And that's what Justice Kennedy said again. Let's hear it for Justice Kennedy. Justice Kennedy, I'm totally going to blow him. Oh. Oh, wait, that's inappropriate. Hey, I'm wow, that's... That... <laughs> oh, okay. I thought that's what we had to do once the ruling oh, my passed. God. We it's had like, to have go gay sex with the Dan justices Savage. who voted Dan for... Savage has gotten you talking this way. <laughs> Dan Savage is on our show tonight, right? in case you haven't heard. Uh, we recorded an interview with him earlier in the week because he was on a crazy book tour schedule, but we... Crazy! Sold... He was out of his mind. We had time to his chair. He wore a straight jacket the whole time. <laughs> he did. He was... Uh, actually, we I kind of think we saw the softer, gentler side. He really was a lovely guest. Uh, Dan I, you're Savage. Really, that's really great. That's coming up and then yeah. because we wanted somebody who's even more out of control than we are because we're so happy about these rulings yes. this week we brought I don't know if it's our favorite married gay couple but <laughs> they're right up at the top of they're definitely in our top 10 if not right at the top of the list Alec Mappa Alec and his partner, Mappa Jamie, Jamie A. Bear Christopher Christopher actually so Louisiana shitty. boy got the pronunciation Louisiana wrong. boy I'm I'm a Louisiana pride right? is in the toilet. I called him Jamie Hebert. Shocking. Yeah, his family is from the swamp. His family is from rural Louisiana. Although I do have to say I'm I do get a kick out of the Louisiana pronunciation of French words where they just sort of like Absolutely. I'm gonna do whatever I want to with French. Yeah, and if you pronounce them correctly in New Orleans, they like will. 
where is Carondelet Street? They will not know what the fuck you're talking about. They will say, it's Carondelet, and it's over there. Also, my favorite is Calliope Street is pronounced Calliope. And if you pronounce it Calliope, they will not know what you're talking about. I know. Isn't that wonderful? This is the great city that I come from. But as you pointed out it's in the lobby sort of like the way earlier, they pronounce Spanish words here in Los Angeles. I, I had fun Angeles. with that when I got here. Yeah. La Cienega Boulevard, Sepulveda Drive. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But you pointed out earlier that I'm really from San Francisco. It's true. <laughs> it's true. It's the that was the Hebert is the San Francisco pronunciation. Hebert, Hebert and it's a lesbian's first name right. in San Francisco. Um, Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, better not blows up. Ooh. Christopher called out for gay slurs. Absolutely. So Miko Salson, one of our regular party people, says, "Thank God people aren't calling it g- garage." <laughs> she pronoun- she combined the words "gay" and "marriage" into one word: gar- garage. Garage. Like garage. Like garage. Garage. Uh, Greg Wilkie is at a party, but he's checking in with us via his phone. But the question is, is he listening to the damn show? Right. Make everybody at the party be quiet and listen. The big kids are talking right now. Yeah, no, listen to our show the way, you know, your uncle used to listen to sporting events on his Walkman (laughs) with, with one, like, earpiece in. Okay. Yeah, a friend of mine's wedding was like she had it during football season. And I was looking <laughs> around the church. It was in the south, and the men were all had the little things in their ears in the service. I thought, I love this place. All right. Well, other stuff did happen in the world this week. But we don't care. We, we don't really care. But I know who does care. Breck Artery apparently cares. Oh, he cares really deeply he about all about kind of important stuff. Everything. I hear he's we'll got... We'll be back to dance. Yeah, we will be back to dance. But we want to hear about Jamie. what Breck Artery's going on about what is he going on about well let's find out okay we take you to breck artery live from the tdps news world headquarters breck breck artery live from tdps news world headquarters west hollywood with this not so late breaking story whiny right-wing radical blogger glenn greenwald does not believe in freedom of the press or free speech Recently, when Greenwald was asked a question that he did not like while being interviewed on an alleged news program, Greenwald questioned the integrity of the interviewer who asked him the question and began a week-long grievance tour complaining about how other people have free speech rights. Greenwald, you may know, recently came to the attention of pretty much anybody when he received stolen top-secret U.S. intelligence documents from wanted, self-confessed criminal Edward Snowden. Greenwald's interviews with Snowden seriously damaged U.S. security while not revealing any criminal wrongdoing other than Snowden's. Since the initial interviews, Greenwald has withheld an undisclosed amount of what he alleges is damning information. Despite his often expressed deep concerns for this country, he has chosen instead to strategically release these stolen details so that he might completely overstep the bounds of responsible journalism and insert himself and his ultra-conservative, radical political agenda into the political process itself. Despite the fact that no one has elected Greenwald, he has used the stolen goods of which he is in receipt not to further his reporting, but rather to create a series of releases of the sensitive details timed to maximize damage to the U.S. in general and the Obama administration in particular, and apparently further Mr. Greenwald's political aspirations, whatever they might be. Greenwald, an American who does not live in this country or write for a news organization here, claims the same protections that we grant for all journalists here in this country. Despite Greenwald's objections to our granting those rights to other journalists and citizens, 
free speech and the freedom of press are sacred in this country. That said, we have an entire court system set up here to decide questions of what that means exactly. For instance, let's say I got an exclusive interview with a bank robber. Let's say this thief robbed the bank in question because of his personal objection to the way the bank was legally collecting usurious amounts of interest. But then, instead of actually reporting the story, let's say I chose instead to keep the money and spend it a little at a time to aid me in furthering my own political plans, not to run for office, but to limit the actions of elected political officials with whom I disagreed and in so doing affect my own political policy. Is that free speech? It's an interesting question, but not to Mr. Greenwald, who believes, like the NRA, that any kind of limitation to the broadest interpretation of the first, second, or any of the amendments is in direct opposition to what the framers intended, despite the fact that the framers included Article 3 in the Constitution, which not only sets up the judicial branch of government to decide such questions, but, interestingly, also constitutionally codifies treason. This reporter wonders if Snowden had leaked the details to an American Al-Qaeda reporter blogging in Yemen, would we be having a debate about free speech? Freedom of the press and free speech are linchpins of our democracy, and we must be vigilant, not only in protecting those freedoms, but in exercising them responsibly. The truth, which has become so compromised in the opinion-driven media we have come to call the news, it's easy to forget what journalism and reporting the news, not what we think of the news like this report, but the actual news actually is. When Daniel Ellsberg had exhausted all his efforts to get legislative support for revealing the criminal conduct revealed by the famed Pentagon Papers, only then did he share them with the New York Times. The Times published those stolen documents in their entirety, and not entirely with Ellsberg's consent. They didn't hang on to them to further a political agenda, they just published them. And the Pentagon Papers revealed actual criminal behavior, which is what makes Ellsberg a whistleblower and not just a thief, though he was tried. And interestingly, Ellsberg stayed in this country and faced the consequences of his choices. Though Mr. Snowden might disagree with his government, he did not discover wrongdoing on the job. He took the job and the oath he violated not to reveal wrongdoing, but simply to further his own political agenda and with the intention of betraying the government in the first place. That actually sounds more like being a revolutionary than a whistleblower. However noble Mr. Snowden might be, the people who flew planes into the Twin Towers on 9-11 also considered themselves revolutionaries. Alternately, Nelson Mandela, also a revolutionary, spent years in prison for his beliefs that his government was wrong. Still, the point seems to be that no one would call those pilots or Mr. Mandela a whistleblower. All of this raises a series of very difficult and interesting questions about the law, the freedom of the press, and what it means to be a patriot, but apparently not to Mr. Greenwald, who believes that rights to free speech apply only to him and his indicted co-conspirator. Until next time, this is Breck Artery, wishing you free speech, good night, and good dinner. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. The Dinner Party Show will be the judge of that. I just wanna <laughs> fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
trying to not be a tight ass. I'm dancing with everybody. Go, white boy. Go, white boy. Go, 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 uh, and we we had him bring a very special guest to try and keep him in line, but Uh-oh. we don't think it's going to work. <laughs> yep. His husband, Jamie Bear. Hi, y'all. Christopher got it right. I did. Bear. Another not Louisiana Herbert, boy. Not Heber. Heber. Jamie okay. Heber. Um, you and Jamie are connected in some way. Explain to your listeners how. We were both featured on Swamp People. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's true. But Absolutely. he beat me at the Crocodile Hall. <laughs> yes. But this is this is connected to your dating history, your heterosexual dating history. Oh, that's right. Uh-huh. I dated your cousin, yes. who shall remain nameless, because if you say her name three times, she will appear. <laughs> God, please no. What is, was she attractive? What did she look like? She was. She had like no Oh, now no you're qualifying it. Uh, yeah, you went up a couple of octaves. You she's didn't immediately say for yes. A Republican. <laughs> is she a Republican? They were all Republicans. Oh, from Louisiana. God bless her. God bless her. Right. We, we actually, Sweet. we have a huge Republican audience for this show. They no, we don't, it. actually. <laughs> Lovely. They got tune, me. Yeah, got you. <laughs> they tune in to get their heart, their pacemaker cranked up. Yeah, listen. They, they Rewind put, their self-winding watches, uh, waving their listen, fists at the we'll radio. Wait till they hear about our tri-racial listen, game. We're not on the radio. Okay, listen, we're, we're, we're drifting from the point here. <laughs> Which is that we had to bring you two on because Eric and I are fucking single during those oh, moments. Oh, it's so sad Lucky. for us. I know. We just have equal brains. I know. Oh, boo. Who, 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 who's going to marry me? Was that your impression? Did you like that? Yeah, no, he yeah. does it to me all the time. I'll be like, I had a rough day. They were out of cheese. Like, oh, who's out of cheese? I'm like, who's first of all, it's racist. No, Who's gonna make me feel good? Who's <laughs> gonna touch my okay. glasses? Right, anyway, I have, to, I have to bring the room down for a moment. All right, I'm why? a little upset, Alec. What I happened? have a bone to pick with you. Oh, great. Why didn't Isaac win? I was very upset that Isaac didn't win. I wanted really? him to get the $10,000 and leave that little town. Oh, we are talking about Showville on yes. AMC. The yeah. host, Alex. Alec Mappa, is the host of the so, docu-reality. I know there's other yes. big stuff to talk Docu-series. about, but Docu-series. Isaac, tap, I need tap. to rescue Isaac. Isaac didn't win. You know, there, we've had some controversial winners in the last couple weeks. Um, people were rooting for Isaac, and then the week before that, the Miller family had won, and then there was a big uproar yeah. over that because people didn't like the event. Angelical uh, pageant family, but um, the the secret to Showville is getting the audience to vote for you and inviting as many friends and family as possible. That's what I figured, and that's yes. what, because Isaac is needs to escape so he can have friends. Isaac will get out. Yeah. Isaick will get out. Oh, and, he should have pissed out away in the bus. Isaac that surprised me was he didn't have a lot of friends in Fairfield. They weren't. He didn't, didn't surprise he me didn't, at all. He didn't have a lot of. Um, uh, his relatives came. His family came. His family from the farm came. That was so but sweet. Not a lot of friends in town. No, of no. course not. That's why no. I wanted him to get out. Yeah. He needs to go to New York where he yeah. can be a tumbling tap dancer. I know, I know. There's there's definitely a place yeah. for them here. I Maybe he'll, he'll move to Los Angeles and you guys can get married. I was very sad. Also, why How old did is you Isaac? pick that boy? He's 22. <laughs> 20. Okay, he okay do... that's fine. If I can marry Tom Daly, you can <laughs> marry kid. Isaac. All right. I'm, no, I Are don't you wanna... marrying Tom oh Daly? No, I'm going to give no, Tom Daly no. a, a while to fall in love with me. I don't want to marry Isaac. Yeah, okay. No, that's not it. I just... My heart went out to him. Yeah. I just saw 
I don't know if he's a gay boy, but I just saw a little boy who was a yeah. tap dancing tumbler. That's um, kind of a red flag right there, Fairfield, would you say? wherever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and he said on the show that his dream was to get Shake the dust of this yes. crummy little town off my shoes and get yes. the hell out of here. I brought him with me today. Please welcome <laughs> to the radio station. Eric's new roommate, <laughs> Isaac. No, All right. no, 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 no. So no. now that we're equal, let's blue sky this for a second. Who Wait. would you guys marry? Who would you Who would you marry? Well, in all seriousness, Tom Daly's a little young for me. How old is Tom Daly? If he insisted. He's 19. <laughs> How old is Stop he? Stop making fun of me. 20 goes into 40. A hell of a lot more than 40 goes into 20. <laughs> just lost our Republican and listener. Um, <laughs> no, I would say he's about 19. He's 19. 19. So he's, he's of yeah. consent. Yeah. 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 Especially in yeah. the UK. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. But I live here. And they here. age faster like there. You would have to put up with a lot of loud music. And, yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. A yeah. lot of tweeting. He was voted most <laughs> friendliest tweeter. Oh. Do you because follow him on Twitter? Because like, I just ate some toast, eh? <laughs> Here I am naked eating this toast. 5,000 retweets from gay oh. pervs like me. Do you me. follow him? Of course. I yeah. do too. Of course we all follow him. Yeah. He's adorable. Because he's he tweets sweet. a lot of pictures of himself. My Absolutely. Favorite oh Tom Daly. Was, I thought pictures. he should have got a gold medal for showering at the Olympics. Oh, the wet. Where they would oh. get to that, that shower wall oh. and the do mouth. that thing where he was. Oh. The, the mouth like, open. Oh my God, and am the... I watching pornography? Yeah. It was unbelievable. It's... Or the whole grooming ritual before he would jump into the water. Like, girl, your hair's going to be messed up uh, when you this, jump yeah, in. Exactly. You can really save some time. And since he's not competing right now, he's not doing the manscaping anymore. So he has a lot of hair going in. Tell you who I really want to. Oh marry. yeah, who? the family is a warning. Yeah, okay. look what? at the family. His family in the stands was like, "Oh, honey, this isn't going to last." <laughs> well, he he's going to look like Elton John next year. <laughs> they age quickly. You're right. They age very quickly. It's like after a while, all the quickly. pints and cigarettes kind of catch up yeah. with you. Yeah, he's going to be an old English lady drinking tea. <laughs> But, but that's what we are. That's what we are. <laughs> All right. But this is the the magic of plastic surgery. <laughs> Southern California never changes at all. Caterwauling from a discussion of equal rights to wild superficiality about 19-year-old divers. Welcome to the Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Sharquin. We're going to take a short break, and then we will be Already? back. Already? We're going to keep talking. You guys go listen to this. We're not stopping. We have a word party is going on. our sponsors, and then we will be back with Alec Mappa and Jamie Haybear, and also... Also, later in the program, Dan Savage will be here. Excellent. In a pre-recorded interview that I'm <laughs> pretending is live. <laughs> this fall, on some semi-rich guy's brand new YouTube channel, comes a slick new reality show from the producers of Kick the Stylist and A Hot Guy Teaches My Fiance Nude Yoga. Hey, y'all. I'm Tracy, but I'm not busy being a former waitress. I'm studying to be a pet psychic and staying out all night long at the hottest clubs in Hollywood. I'm really pretty and I have no self-esteem whatsoever, which is why I have sex with a lot of douchebags. Douchebags like... What's up, everybody? I'm DJ Steve N. That's like the name Steve with the letter N and not the name Steven because that's not my name anymore now that I'm a hot new DJ with his own Twitter account. My life is a nonstop whirlwind of making other people's music terrible. And that's how I met Tracy and that's how she gave me genital warts. This fall, join us as we enter the hottest nightclubs, trendiest restaurants, and the most exclusive gyms as we follow one strain of the human papillomavirus all over Los Angeles. 
HPV Town, the hottest new show at the bottom of the barrel. Uh, hi, yeah, uh, Dan is the name. Uh, for past 10 years, I've lived in Studio City and what could best be described as a marriage of convenience. Well, it's over now. You see, I entered a Craigslist ad from self-described DJ who promised what the folks on the web call an anonymous scene. And unfortunately, he also gave me HPV. I'm not sure doing a reality show about this is the best choice, but right now it's the only choice I've got because my wife threw me out and I need the money. I am Susan, Dan's ex-wife, and I just bought a gun. HPV Town. Some reality shows just bring you the stream of non-stop alcohol-fueled sexual encounters. But we also bring you the excruciatingly uncomfortable terminal consequences. And what better way to break down the doors of A-List Los Angeles than by riding on the back of the creepy crawlies hiding in its underwear. HPV Town, this fall on the internet somewhere. The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Soup's on. And now it's time for astrological advice from Twan, Queen of the Stars. Hey, Twan, Queen of the Stars here with the real dirt on what the constellations are up to and how you can read the signs before they read you. Okay, Leo, we can all hear you. No need to roar. Greetings, star children, and heads up. The stars and the planets will have you all higgledy-piggledy this week. Jupiter moves into Cancer for a nice long stay come Tuesday. That'll mean your determination and tenacity will get you all fired up, and your sense of compassion will get your heart all opened up. And no, Libra, just because your thighs are still wide open does not mean you can blame it on the stars. For those of us who are able to return phone calls and show up for our friends because we aren't so busy following our pudendas around like a tracking device, the influence of Jupiter will have us rising to the defense of the defenseless, taking up for our friends, and tearing up during the national anthem through mid-July, even if we don't usually. But, like trying to make plans with Libra, Mercury will be along on Wednesday, slipping into retrograde and making everything about as dependable as the summer weather in Hurricane Alley. You'll be tongue-tied as you try to express your frustration. Too touchy to be around friends, every little thing will take two or three tries to get it done. Mercury doesn't slip out of retrograde until July 20th, so now is the perfect time to focus on family and work on projects close to home. And Libra, on the plus side, your flaky undependability will be less glaring since Mercury will make everything almost as impossible to accomplish as being friends with you. Till next time, this is Twan reminding you to watch out for the stars. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. And now it's time for The Soup, brought to you by your perpetually victimized gay brother. I will have you know that I am writing a play about all of you. The Dinner Party Show. Keep listening if you've got the stomach for it. We're still gay! And we have marriage rights in California. Continues at The Dinner Party Show. Oh, we miss that. 
watched The Creamer this week. I just saw that. Uncle Eric's control issues are kicking in. Welcome back to the Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. We're joined by two guys who were on the street who we asked to come in because we didn't have a guest before Dan Savage not true. Friends of the show. Nice. Since we don't have any experience with getting married, we actually asked people who had some experience to come and talk about that since it's actually a consideration. I am changing my answer to the earlier question. The the one who really has my heart because I don't know him well enough for him to to destroy my illusion of him is Logan Lerman. I have no uh, idea who that is. Yeah, that's yeah. a good Logan Lerman was every boy I loved in high school. He Beautiful, dreamy, Jewish, dreamy, dreamy, super smart, super yeah. articulate. He played the lead in that uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. See, now you guys yeah. know. Oh. <laughs> Jewish Logan boy teenagers Lerman? Yes, are yeah. always so Jewish pretty. Boy, Jewish boys oh. are my Yeah, weakness. that was my whole dating history at NYU. Oh well, at well, NYU. No. <laughs> <laughs> Le- Larry Lefkowitz, Seth Cloutman. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It wasn't only Jewish, let's be honest. Uh, at NYU it was. Black, Latino. No, black was like high school. I dated all black guys. I, I always I always believe in dating like, locally. It's, a, it's like a like harvest, thing. I harvest yeah. locally. <laughs> it's kind of like. Speaking of harvesting, within re- speaking within, of within harvesting how did you two meet? You guys are our married right? couple for the night. Wow. Tell us how, which bathhouse you did you ahead. meet in? Oh, Give us okay. some tips. Uh, I've been single spa. forever. <laughs> no, I was an intern. I was the Monica Lewinsky to his Bill Clinton. At the taper, he had a solo show. I was the directing intern. I was just out of college. I see. We really hit it off and liked each other a lot. It was like like (laughs) like you make me laugh at first sight. It was like at first sight because I met him and and he was like he goes I'm 24. I live with my grandma in uh, Orange County and I was like stop. You had me at grandma. <laughs> <laughs> and then I didn't want to be his boyfriend. Oh. I had issues okay, I was wait, dealing up, with because I was wait, 20. Wait, yeah, 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 back up, back up. up. Wait, so, what were your, wait. Okay. So we were done with the show, right? We were done with the show and um, about a week passed. You're not telling this right. Okay, go. <laughs> Sorry, so, it's my second I glass love of this about married couples. So it, Shut it, your it, ass. <laughs> <laughs> you were you he was the directing intern and the director was a real control freak, so he had a whole lot of nothing to do. Except, no, a director except, who was a control freak. So but all he did was hang out with me. That was his job. And then he hung out with me before the show every single night. And then one night he didn't show up and I thought I was gonna die. And Aww. then I was like, Where is he? And then we exchanged phone numbers and then I was like, I'm never gonna hear from him again. And then I called him five days later and asked him to see The Rock in The Scorpion King at Grauman's Chinese. Oh, that's so romantic. In a loincloth. Oh, yeah. It he brought us together. Wait, I've seen it twice. You were We're, wearing a loincloth. I was. The movies. Oh. Yeah, they're very li- the dress policies. At Grauman's Chinese, and it was a, yeah. Chinese, yeah. a costume Definitely. showing of of the scorpion. Chapstick and a loincloth is where every crackhead in town dresses up like a celebrity. <laughs> Spider Man, catch money, getting saggy butt. Spider Man. So yeah. we right? were just supposed to be. So we got together after that night, and he was just going to be my summer fling. That's all it was ever going to be. Because you wrote me this big dramatic letter, like <gasps> I'm so messed up. I can't. Date anybody right now? It's not you. It's me. Exactly. <laughs> it's really me. It's we awful. had a discussion about this at the break. like. He came to me. He like he was like I have this big confession to make, and I was like, "What is it?" And you told me, "I'm on antidepressants." And I was like, "So is everybody." I Welcome know. to Southern California. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's great. Yeah, How the confession old are you? would be that you're not. 24. 24. Oh, yeah, you didn't know anything. 75 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I've wow. aged him. Yeah. He's now older than me. So yeah. naturally, you thought, this is who I want to split half my income with. No. <laughs> no. I mean, even then. And then and then we talked about becoming domestic partners. And then we got into a huge fight about it. Because oh. you were like, it'll be too much like being married. And I don't know if I want to be married. And I was like, fine. And then that was the Christmas that I went to London. He's holding up his ring hand. And then mm. I came back from London and he was like, oh, I think we should become domestic partners. <laughs> like, you asked me that at Eatwell yes. in West Hollywood. Yes. Uh, well, I said, do you think we should be domestic partners or something? He was looking around at, at who the other well. options yeah, were listen, at Eatwell. It was listen, like, oh, it's got Fetal yeah. position on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's and, who was my other option. And then I was like, are you proposing to me? Like, I was angry. At, at the well. diner, yeah, yeah. At the diner. Yeah, and he's like, yes. And I was like, we okay. We could go at least to, like, the Labo M. <laughs> yeah. Right? Right. Just right. Down the, the service street. there is terrible. It is. It's is terrible. it? I haven't eaten there in years. terrible. Worst service, yes. Don't Ugh. go to Ca- Cafe Labuim was fun in the eighties, and no. I don't know what happened. Yeah, how does it still exist? Still, I don't know. I guess stupid tourists just fall in, like you, you. know, the, like flies falling into Let's a Venus flytrap. <laughs> Yeah. So we got together, and then and then uh, it was eleven. So like years three ago. years later, yeah. we became domestic partners, and then in two thousand six, we said we're not going to wait for the government to say we can get married. We went ahead and had a ceremony in our backyard, which was beautiful. And then in two thousand eight. Uh-huh. We did the legal. Thing. So you were part of that uh-huh. special subgroup that was yeah. married when yes. nobody else could get yeah. married. Yeah. We yeah. were one of the 18,000 couples that had that little window where we got in and were legally married, even though we already had our ceremony and got all our beautiful espresso machines and things But like even that. though we were legally married, like we were coming back from an international trip one time with our son, and we went through customs, and you know, you you have a family form. Right. And we filmed out the form for the whole family, and the customs officer was a total douche. He was an asshole. He was like, what's this? He goes, you know, we don't recognize gay marriage here. It's like, you guys are going to have to step back. Yeah, and this then, is the Doma problem. Right, right. Yes. And so, and then he saw Zion, who was like, six at the time he was tiny and he's like who's this he goes it's our son he goes you adopted him he says yeah and then all of a sudden he starts backpedaling because he had been so awful in front of us like he was like oh you know it's you know it's just the federal law it's the law law. law. I'm not here to cause any trouble and we were looking at him like you've shown your ass but it's embarrassing it's embarrassing to come back to your country in a state that you're recognized in and then be told we don't recognize your family in front of your kid yeah absolutely thank god that's over it's over god that's over over, but our, makes me just want to fucking dance. And we're going to dance some more later, but now it's time for our technical promo, which means if you listen to our oh show regularly, God. go to the bathroom, because <laughs> this is where we tell you every fucking way you can listen I'm to our show. I'm just going to fall into a fucking trance. And then we'll be back with Alec Mappa and Jamie. <laughs> You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. We've made every effort to make sure you can access our show for free across a variety of platforms. We debut a live show every Sunday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the player at our website, www.thedinnerpartyshow.com. This same stream can be accessed via our free mobile apps for Apple and Android devices, so you don't have to be in front of your computer to join the party. We're on for 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. That's right. If you miss the live show, we replay it continuously throughout the week until a new show debuts the following Sunday at the same time. Our free mobile apps keep you connected to these encore presentations as well. 
We interact with our live listeners through our Facebook page, so if you'd like to ask a question of a guest or have us respond to your comment, make sure you've liked the page for The Dinner Party Show on Facebook. Our SoundCloud profile is where we feature reports from our special correspondents. You can access all of our social media platforms by visiting the links at the top left-hand side of our website, thedinnerpartyshow.com. They're located right next to the player. YouTube is where we post backstage video, and Twitter is where we spotlight quotes from the show and breaking Dinner Party Show news, including announcements about upcoming guests and special episodes. For our podcast listeners, a complete unedited podcast of the entire show posts to iTunes the day after the episode debuts. We also have a show archive on our website, which allows you to stream or download complete episodes. Our production quality is high, and so, rather than compressing the sound file and sacrificing quality for our non-live listeners, we break our podcasts into four bite-sized servings. For our iTunes subscribers, if you'd like to have entire episodes downloaded automatically, make sure you've checked the setting Get All Episodes. Otherwise, only the first serving will download automatically. At the risk of turning our entire show into a series of technical announcements, we're going to shut up now and get back to the live cast already in progress. I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And I'm Christopher Rice, and we've taken away all your technical excuses not to listen to the dinner party show. Time for Eric's rash pronouncement of the week. Anyone brings a dog in my hospital room and I'll kill him. This has been Eric's rash pronouncement of the week. Eric Shockwin. Talking about, just talking about Talking about whatever. Here on the dinner party show, we're giddy with excitement because we have equal rights finally. Party is continuing. Yes, absolutely. Samiko Salson says it's not gay marriage in California anymore. It's just marriage. That's what marriage equality Listen, we and just, won't it be fun to just be boring? That's the part that I love about yeah. it. Is that I, I just said, feel like a regular person yeah. for we're the first so, time in my life. If you hung out life. with us on a weekday, <laughs> no, I mean, we're so Yeah, I didn't mean boring. that you guys were boring. Yeah. Or being no. married is no, no, boring. No, no. But I no mean, we are. For it not to be, like, <laughs> God bless Jeff and Paul for getting married, but like... That was a hell of a struggle to get to that Can you altar, believe right? Yeah. Can you believe totally. To have to go to the Supreme Court to just get married? Like I, I now give it's them just about like, a week. Eh, it's just an option. <laughs> yeah. Right there. After it's, all I they've been so through. so sick of you. Get gonna, yeah, out. Yeah. Oh, my God. If those two have to go across country one more time, they're just supposed to be like, I cannot fly again. I cannot go United again. <laughs> okay. I know. What did they take? They took the bat plane directly from the Actually, steps of the... Oh right to pay showed up at the rally. Hollywood. Somebody flew them on a private jet that day. I don't know who oh, it was. Is it David Geffen? But they're back again. They're back on the East Coast at New York Pride. I'm like, okay, there are either eight of you... Take a break. ...or you guys are, are really exhausted. Right. They're, they're cyborgs. Like the worst yeah. case. Of yeah, they have the worst case of jet lag in the is. history of North America. Oh, I, yeah. you know, it's really. But you have know, you had them on the show? Them. No, but we would love to have them. Paul's on the a show. personal trainer over. Paul Equinox. works at my gym. I see Paul yeah. all the time. I talk to Paul. I always we always make dinner plans that we can't because they keep leaving. So they, you know. So one but of these days, now we'll that they're married, a, now that they've settled down and stopped defending themselves in court and can just be boring old West Hollywood people. Yeah, you can have a we'll really have boring dinner. Nobody with them. will give a shit. They're gonna now, have a reality show. And now. 
Bam, yeah, they were on loud. Yeah, seen it. Now, in moments from Humblebrag, I was taken aback <laughs> by how many people in front of the cameras on that day I, we all knew. Like, yeah. is, is the gay community yeah. just very small, or are we just really cool? We're really cool. Yeah. We, are cool. we live in the gayest place on earth. This here's, is yeah. West Hollywood. Here's I how... love that they came here yeah. to talk about it, mm-hmm. that everybody yeah. flew but back they here. The lawyers, everybody. They should have. Everybody, yeah. But our son was on our friend Todd's shoulders, who's like 6'6", six, 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 right? Yes. So, oh, it's getting taller and taller with each story. Yeah. He's six. He's <laughs> on 17,000 feet tall. He's Godzilla. So, Zion was sitting on his shoulders and it was picked up by all the Pulling major news satellites. I saw the, that. He was right. on KCAL 9 News. Yes, he and Equality, Equality California's California. photo, official yeah, photo. It was, it was all over the place. Yeah. Well, well, you very very good good kid. You guys have really done the whole thing. You've adopted, oh now your parents, in addition to being married, your parents, you've gone for the full bore, right? Yeah, What's right. the next step? Right? Where I don't do we know. need to go Divorce? now? Divorce. <laughs> Divorce. Separate vacations? It's in the works. I don't know. No, like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe one of you. I hope that a long, 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 long happy life is yeah, what's in the works now right. without people trying to screw with your personal life. One of us needs to have a total emotional breakdown. I, I have one of those every morning. Yeah. Right? I was going to say, too. like, have you met Alan? He does, actually. Yeah. 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 Alan, my Jamie, favorite, wake my up. Favorite I have a part of, My favorite part of this party, people, my favorite part of this week's show is that Alec discovered that the show is done live oh for the God. first time it's this Alex's week third on the show. Time. I know. On the he show. was like, this show is live? I was like, dumbass. yes, Alec, oh my God. You said yes. I, I thought you guys were editing it together to air later. It's like, no, it's no, been honey, live every time. As terrible as you are live on every show. <laughs> but this is the first show I've ever done sober. Why are you sober? Oh, you're I'm driving. on a cleanse. On I'm on a cleanse. That's what fat people no. in Los Angeles He's do. He's the first person yeah. in Los Angeles to be on the juice cleanse. It's scary. Yeah, we put what, that what on the not report. We put your juice huh? cleanse on what the not report. It's from the um, cold pressed juice place in uh, Pasadena. It's called the Rainbow Cleanse. So it's in honor <laughs> doesn't of the, get gayer yeah, than doesn't that. Doesn't get gayer than that. Like you have seven different kinds of juices, all different colors it's made from the Skittles. Day. <laughs> yeah, made from Skittles. Yeah, it's very healthy. I can taste a rainbow. And this one is. Uh, citrus carrot ginger. It was delicious. And if you uh, heat it up, uh, it could be your soup at yes, Thanksgiving. I haven't <gasps> eaten solid food in Excellent. six days. I haven't eaten and, solid food um, since the 70s. Exactly. <laughs> and every fart is a gamble at this That's point. That's great. So, now that you're talking yeah. about your cleanse, we're mm-hmm. going to have to end the interview. Okay, good night, everybody. <laughs> but thank oh, you. No, we're seriously, we're really Come to glad. the live taping of Baby Daddy at the Congratulations. Rembrandt Theater. Congratulations, and thank really you for being glad. pioneers in the struggle for gay people to just do what everybody else does all the time and pretty badly I would say not you guys everybody else now I'm being I'm being told we have some special surprise for these Uh, guys what are you sending our son to college it's the restless leg dancers oh my god it's the dance the dance troupe hide hide oh my god here they come watch out for that just go Once again, for the Dinner Party Show's Homemade Relationship Advice with Jonelle Sams. 
Hey, this is Jonelle Sams with Homemade Relationship Advice. If you have a relationship question, you can send it to me, Care of the Dinner Party Show's Facebook fan page, or at Jonelle at thedinnerpartyshow.com. Getting into the perfect relationship is always a challenge, but sometimes the relationships we're already in can make it even more challenging, as this week's listener writes. Dear Jonelle, I've met the perfect girl. She's smart and funny, and she fills my heart and other body parts with joy and excitement. We've dated for a while and then broke up because, frankly, she was born on the wrong side of the double wide. I certainly don't care. My problem is my mother. We have always been close, and I'm afraid that she won't approve. I'm back together now with my perfect girl. She's forgiven me, but I'm afraid to get serious because of what my mom might think. Should I introduce her to my mom, or should I look for a girl who's more tailored to my mom's standards? Signed, Mama's Boy. Well, MB, you've got yourself a real problem there, but it may not be the one you think it is. As I'm sure you all know, Merle, my husband of 23 blissful years, was quite devoted to his own mom. I was fearful of living up to her standards, but today she and I remain close and I take real good care of her old house and she tours the country in the Airstream that she bought with the exotic gentleman she met at the bowling alley and absconded with. She sends me real supportive postcards every so often. The point is, while I was worried about living up to her standards, she was far more concerned about finding someone to look after Merle so she could get on with her life. I'm pleased to know that you have a good relationship with your mom, MB. It's good recommendation for your sweetheart. But, MB, your problem isn't your mama. You have a back problem. You don't seem to have a spine. You're afraid to tell your mama the truth. That's not very nice. How close can you be if you can't own up to how you feel to your own mama, even if what you feel is fear of her disapproval? What's more, it sounds like you're too chicken to commit to a girl you say is perfect and you are using your mama as your excuse. My advice is get yourself a ring and a Jack Daniels back brace and come clean to all the women in your life before you sober up and chicken out again. You might be surprised by her reaction, but even if it's not favorable, it's probably time for her to go out and play with children her own age or, as in the case of Merle's mom, half her age. Either way, I promise you'll both have a lot more fun. Till next time, I'm Jonelle Sams with Homemade Relationship Advice. If you have relationship questions, write to Jonelle, care of the Dinner Party Show Facebook page, or to Jonelle at thedinnerpartyshow.com. If you're listening, Miss Sams, please resend your recipe for sweet tea. I can't remember how many parts pancake syrup to marmalade you use, and you know Merle won't drink anything else after Memorial Day. The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. The dish is served. And now The Dinner Party Show presents your local news brought to you by The Truth. Good evening. I'm John Stencil and my wife is asking for full custody of the kids. I'm Chad Pastry and not one of my co-workers came to see me at open mic night last Friday at the Laughing Stock Room. 
And tonight, we bring you ongoing gratuitous coverage of the disappearance of a really hot white lady who probably just got fed up with her husband. We bring you photo after photo of the woman from various milestones throughout her monotonous upper-middle-class existence. Here's her graduation picture, some vacation photos, and a shot she probably used for her Match.com profile before she met this guy, who may or may not be responsible for her disappearance, but will go in real tight on his face every time he answers our manipulative and leading questions, just to be sure. As intrusive, camera-hogging neighbors gather for an endless succession of candlelight vigils outside of her suburban home, we'll bring you gratuitous interviews with almost all of them. She was a wonderful woman who was probably cheating on her husband because he got so fat. My guess is she ran off with her yoga instructor. <laughs> yoga will kill any marriage. And in other local news tonight, a bunch of bullshit signs have been installed downtown and they're supposed to keep people from doing something annoying. Some people are mad because the signs are big and ugly, and other people are mad because they think people should have the right to do whatever irritating bullshit they want to. Both sides of the issue have completely ignored the only people profiting from this complete waste of time, the sign makers who currently have a no-bid contract with the city. John? And now, here with sports, it's Rob Samatuka. Howdy, folks. I'm Rob Samatuka, or as your racist grandmother calls me, the Asian guy with no accent. In sports tonight, all across America, large numbers of white people continued to spend most of their spare time watching black people on television. Amazingly, many of these white people completely lost their shit when a black guy was elected president. Maybe because they were forced to watch a black guy on television do something other than just get rough with people and make empty threats. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. That's exactly what the president does, too. In other news, large numbers of men make millions of dollars a year off an athlete currently accused of deplorable crimes attempted to sweep those crimes under the rug with a series of grasping, half-assed public statements during post-game press conferences. Statements so poorly worded they would have gotten them fired if they worked in an industry that didn't thrive on people knocking each other down. John? Let's pretend to care about another starlet whose drug addiction has taken a mortar and pestle to all that's worthwhile about her largely unremarkable life and career. Let's bring in experts in addiction so we can pretend this sadistic charade is something other than what it really is. A device by which those who have not taken a single personal risk in their lives delight in the personal downfall of someone they feel represents all the success and recognition they were too afraid to try for when they had the chance. I did open mic night at the Laughing Stock Room last Friday and none of you assholes came. Don't say I never tried. John? Try harder, Chet. As hard as your hairpiece, John? Well, we can't all be as bald as your self-promotion, Chet. Or your ex-wife, John? That's it for us here, folks. I'm John Stencil, or as my co-workers call me, the unnerving closet case. And I'm Chet Pastry, and this has been another night of me waiting for John Stencil to die. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. And now it's time for The Dish, brought to you by your mother, Mistress of Guilt. <sighs> That's okay. Go ahead and step on my foot. Why would I need to walk anywhere? I haven't been anyplace nice in years. The Dinner Party Show. Keep listening if you've got the stomach for it. 
Welcome back to the Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And we are so excited about our next guest. So excited. If you've been anywhere near social media in the past few years, you've probably heard of the It Gets Better Project, a series of videos intended to prevent suicide among LGBT youth. That project was started by internationally syndicated relationship and sex advice columnist Dan Savage and his husband, Terry Miller. But for many years now, Dan Savage has been one of our most ferociously articulate and outspoken gay activists, known for his no-holds-barred responses to anti-gay public figures and politicians wherever they well may done. surface. Exactly. He also hosts the Savage Love podcast, and he's currently on the road promoting his new book, a collection of his essays and columns entitled American Savage, which we currently have for sale on our website at thedinnerpartyshow.com. Dan Savage joins us now on The Dinner Party Show. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Welcome. Champagne to the and party. tea and cookies. I'm in heaven. We, we really rolled out the red carpet. Well, we try and have a nice dinner party when we invite guests over. You put on the dog a bit, right? Yeah, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're also a little bit starstruck, I have to oh. say. You're too easily starstruck <laughs> if you're starstruck by me. We're pretty excited. <laughs> we really are. And, you know, we were talking at lunch about where we wanted to start this interview. And I guess we were curious about the moment for you when you went from being columnist in Seattle to gay activist on the national stage. Is, was there a moment that well, you could I was pick a, out? I was a gay activist before I started writing Savage Love. Right. Um, you know, I was an act up. I was a gay activist at college and before college many, many years ago. And I, and it occurred to me when I was writing this column when it turned into a real job, because at first it was just me a joke. I was going to write this joke, sex advice column for six months or a year where I treated straight people and straight sex with the same contempt that straight advice columnists had always treated gay people and gay sex with. <laughs> Perfect. But it, then, And I thought it would last like six months or a year, this one note joke, but straight people really liked being treated with contempt. It was a new experience really? for them. And so the column Presaging the whole Fifty Shades of Grey thing. Yeah, apparently. apparently, Yeah. (laughs) And it it eventually occurred to me that, oh, I have this much better platform now for the activism I want to do because I've conned all these straight people into reading me because Mm -hmm. the column is almost always about straight sex and straight relationships. But then if I pivot and I get on gay marriage or I get on HIV or I get on trans issues or anything else, the straight people read out of habit because it's usually about them. And Mm -hmm. so they'll just read these things that they would never read at any other time. And then every once in a while, I call them my flying monkeys. Sneaky. I can call my readers out and say, you should do this. You should redefine Rick Santorum's last name. You should right. make a video and upload it talking about how <laughs> it got better for you. favorite. And, and I've sort of like, this is my activism now. Right? Right. My sex advice column is sort of sneaky activism where I trick straight people into doing things and, and gay people into doing things I want them to do. But right. it wasn't the plan. It just sort of evolved in that way. Yes. And But there was a point at which, surely, where it became apparent, wow, I'm attracting considerably more attention than the greater Seattle area. Yeah, well, the column, uh, after about... 12 months, other papers started calling asking to pick it up. Mm. So it's been syndicated for 21 years now. Wow. I'm getting letters now from people whose parents were reading my column before they were born. <laughs> oh, no. Who are now old enough to have sex problems of their own, which yeah. is just really depressing. It makes me feel really old. That, yeah, that, my, my original intro was going to be one of those awful, you know, I remember you when things that, you know, celebrities hate. Um, but I do remember my first boyfriend. My mother used to take me to see you. Well, it wasn't that long ago, but my first boyfriend brought me your writing and was like, this is the guy. This is the guy who was out there fighting for us. Because at the time, there were two really visible gay journalists. It was you and Andrew Sullivan, who, and at the time, we weren't all pretending Andrew Sullivan wasn't a conservative. You know, it was, it, so it was a choice between the two. Right. And, Andrew Sullivan was right. That yeah. was Andrew Sullivan's problem. He was right, but he was right uh, too soon right. uh, on issues that were really important. He, right. The things he harped on 
um, and, and was absolutely right about was don't ask, don't tell was military service right. and marriage. And eventually right. the gay rights movement caught up with Andrew and now right. he sort of basks in this affection that when he first started writing, people pilloried him. People hated right. Andrew. And I was always a fan. I was really liked Andrew. I'm well, still a fan. I, I always thought he was a beautiful writer as well. And, and, and Love Undetectable was a, a gorgeous book. But yeah, one of his first essays on gay marriage was called A Conservative Case for Gay Marriage. In the New Republic in 1989, before yeah. anybody else was arguing it. He is really the intellectual grandfather of this move or father of this movement. We wouldn't be here but for this Brit expatriate conservative marriage yeah. guy right. coming here and starting to make these arguments and articulate them in right. ways that really moved people. Right. But you were a lot more fun back then, I'd have to say. <laughs> <laughs> you well, were talking about throwing stuff through the stained the glass dad. window at the, at the Pope. I was, and you I was getting really wild, wild Talking up. about fist fucking. And, right. You know, yeah. got to, I can swear, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. We're, we're the internet, babe. It's I the wild, so. wild west We on couldn't our show. do a radio show if there was no swearing. It just wouldn't work. We just couldn't sustain it. My head would explode. What is it you do when you do other radio shows? You go, don't say fuck. Don't, say fuck, yeah, don't, say, don't fuck. say fuck, don't say fuck, yeah. don't say fuck. And then you go, and so how the fuck are you? Oh, fuck. I know. We, we were originally going to call this the fuck show. Um, I want to I want to talk about... But that's my podcast. Yeah. <laughs> that's your, we don't want to intrude on your turf. Yeah. Um, there is a surprise, or something that I found surprising in your book, which was the first essay included in American Savage, is about your mother. Mm-hmm. And it is about how your, your feelings for your mother have inspired this kind of longing in you to return to the Catholic Church, in a manner of speaking. And I have returned to the Catholic church i just haven't returned to the sacraments or belief um in imaginary friends or miraculous birth narratives um after my mother's death i was just sort of drawn back into these spaces where i could feel her presence uh you know when you grow up your parents move they divorced in my case remarried and there was no tangible physical place you could go to to sort of commune with the memory of your mom Mm. or i couldn't and there was something about these churches uh, that were the St. James Cathedral in Seattle, which was so like St. Ignatius Church in uh, Chicago, where mm-hmm. we four generations of my family have been married and buried, including my mother. And uh, just to go back there, to, to, to be in that space, I sort of felt her presence. And I mm-hmm. was drawn. I compare Catholicism uh, to a virus that lays dormant in your body for so long you forget you were ever infected <laughs> until it kind of roars up and it, it roared up when my like mother passed away. Like all viruses, it's incurable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But the it's, reservoirs of it. Right. it. My Catholicism was at undetectable levels, right? and then and then it flared back I up. No, I need to get. I need to adjust my drug regimen. But I, I find that people with a heavy Catholic influence in their background often talk about how that how that affects the way they view the world and particularly the way they view culture. And for you, the way that you view sex. Is it the prism through which you see sex, or have you worked to overcome it successfully? Well, people who read my one of my columns, uh, one advice column in Stop, sometimes say that I'm sort of anything goes and Mr. Permission Slips just telling people to go for it. Right. But there's a there's a sexual ethic that runs through my column right. that, you know, if you boil it down to just its essential component is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Uh, with that sounds do, like What's fun. being done unto having a really broad possible interpretation in the context of my column. But people need to be good and decent to each other. And there's right things to do and wrong things to do, right way to treat someone, wrong way to treat someone. I call people out in my column all the time who I think are being shitty and unfair to their sex partners or their Yeah, because sometimes I think people are unaware. I don't think people are even intentionally doing it, but through their own choices, they're being inconsiderate or thoughtless to the people around them. What's so amazing is people will people will be the they are the villain in their story, but they write you this letter as if they're the victim. (laughs) And you have to go, bitch, please, you are the asshole here. Right. Exactly. But people write this letter and say, who's the asshole? And half the time you have to go, 
you are. You Absolutely. are Blanche, and sometimes they're not even asking that. Well, we'll be it's back true. shortly to talk about who the real assholes are with Dan Savage here on The Dinner Party Show. Have you had enough of the fight? Are you just tired of trying to explain to everyone why only people like you deserve equal rights? These days, feelings like these are common among the many Americans who invested their careers and their hard-earned money in the fight against gay marriage. And with the Supreme Court looking poised to strike down the Defense of Marriage Act this June, many of gay marriage's most strident opponents are looking for work. That's where we come in. At History Writers, we do our best to offer professional guidance to those whose career bigotry has brought them headfirst into the brick wall of progress. I'm Tony Perkins, and now that it looks like gay marriage may become the law of the land in the next year or two, I've been forced out of the American Family Association. But thanks to the folks at History Writers, I've been set free. Free to dance! They found me a job as the director of entertainment at Slippery Secrets, a bar I no longer have to speed past in sweaty palmed fear now that my chances of forcing the entire country to justify my self-loathing have been shot to pieces by the courts. I'm Brian Brown, and with the National Organization for Marriage Fast becoming just one big fat excuse to cover Maggie Gallagher's enormous grocery bills, I decided I just didn't want to be the sweaty guy in the corner yelling at women about their wombs. I mean, abortion is kind of old hat, know what I mean? Thanks to a grant from History Writers, I was able to open the Museum of Misunderstood Slave Owners in Decatur, Georgia. History Writers was also able to get me a good insurance policy even after we were burned to the ground three times. Times in a row. You never know what the future will bring. So, you can never know whether you'll end up on the right side of history or not. That's why you should hedge your bets with History Writers. History Writers is there when your professional prejudice fails to give you the retirement fund you deserve. Call us now. Operators are standing by and there's just about nothing you can say that will offend them. Because we get it. I mean, we didn't think there would be this many Latinos in America by now either. Welcome back to the Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And our presence is being graced by super activist and super journalist Dan Savage, founder of the It Gets Better Project and author of the new book, American Savage, which is a collection of his essays. You're on the road promoting it now. Are you exhausted? I am. This Writing is the a end book, of the tour, right? As you know. Yeah. This is very end of the and tour. And as Eric knows as well. Yes. As you both know, it's yes. exhausting and lonely and you don't see people for a while. And then you go on a book tour and you're suddenly meeting a lot of people and you have no immunity. You haven't been exposed to anything. <laughs> you immediately get the flu and the cold and the bird flu and SARS. I've been on the, the road yes. for three weeks and sick every day. Yeah, it totally happens. But I was going to ask you because I was wondering about that with you. And I, I thought that maybe you lived a more interactive day-to-day life than a novelist does, you know, because we're complete shut-ins. If it weren't for the show, Eric and I would never leave our homes. And, but, and, and it's really only two blocks from where we live to the studio. <laughs> so we just sort of, it's just kind of a, yeah, we just yeah. It's a put-up job. Right. But is there an is there an editorial office that you have to go into for The Stranger? Where I go about once or twice a week. Right. Where I have an office, right. which is just stacks of it's papers. It's like Patsy on, on Absolutely yeah, Fabulous. Yeah, actually it kind of is. <laughs> I was the editor for many years, and now I'm the editorial director, which is like being the queen of England. I am consulted and ignored. Uh-huh. I can't actually affect policy. I'm not allowed Did to really have a you go to parades and wave like that? I do a little bit for The Stranger. Excellent. Yeah. I, think, I could think you could totally pull that off. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, we were talking earlier about your column and how you receive letters from people who uh, believe they are the victims of their stories when really they're the villains of their <laughs> stories. But you have that. 
two acronyms. I'm going to stop writing you. Uh, have I told you about his acronyms, GGG and POA? Did I get that right? Uh, um, no. Uh, CPOS? <laughs> No, I think this is good giving and game, right? right? And that is your definition of any sort well, of healthy should, sexual What relation. you want to be for your partner and what you have a right to expect from your partner. Good in bed, you got to acquire those skills. Right. Uh, giving, sometimes you give pleasure without an expectation of an immediate return. You bank it. Right. And <laughs> sometimes... Scorekeeping. And you have to be game for anything within reason. You don't have to let somebody shit in your mouth, but right. you uh, want to sort uh, of be down with your partner's quirks and kinks, <laughs> and you want to be an indulgent giving partner, and, and, and not the person who says no and not the person who frustrates. Okay, but then there's POA, which is like the counterbalance, right? Oh, price of admission. Price of admission, Yes. Right. Like with Eric, you can't poo in his mouth, obviously. Or even <laughs> talk about it, because wow, yeah. So if a necrophiliac <laughs> fell in love with you, he might be willing to pay that price of admission. To be with you, he will sacrifice shitting in your mouth. Right, exactly. And that's the price of admission he will pay. Oh, yeah. And people right. have a hard time with that in relationships. Yeah. There's this, these little double. things, and I don't think shitting in someone's mouth is a little thing, but maybe there's these little things that annoy them about their partner right. that they're always trying to correct and always trying to fix, and they get they fight, 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 and it's a source right. of conflict. And if you can just identify those things that you can live with and go, I'm going to pay the, I'm going to ignore that. That's right. part of the price of admission for my husband. You know, to ride this ride, I'm going to pay this price of admission. He's right. a bit of a slob, and I pick up after him. And for years, I tried to get him to pick up after himself, and that was a lot more work than just picking up after him. Oh, <laughs> so much more. <laughs> yeah, so much more. Totally. Now, how did you become like? You you trained us in theater, right? Your yeah. degree is in theater. How did you become the? I know that the advice columnist for sex. It's not like you're coming from this Doctor Laura background or no, whatever. And, and she, fake, does, she doesn't even have a psychology degree. degree, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, you look up advice in the dictionary. It says opinion about what could or should be done. The only qualification you need to give your opinion is some fool fucking asked you for it, right? <laughs> and fools ask me for my opinion all Excellent. the time. Um, but I grew up reading uh, Ann Landers and Abigail Van Buren. Uh, I was going to say, because you got good advice, babe. Xavier Hollander, who is the happy hooker. Oh, yeah. Ask the Madam, the column in Penthouse Magazine right? in the 70s and 80s. I read that. And my mother was sort of the Dr. Phil of the neighborhood. And I was a little sissy boy who stayed home all the time. So I would be there while she was at these coffee clutches giving advice to the neighbor ladies and listening to their problems. And sort of, I didn't realize it. But when this column was sort of dumped in my lap, I had kind of been in training all my life to be an advice columnist. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I the the story I've read, the best advice maybe that you ever gave was to your friend who was starting the paper to have an advice column. Right. I met this guy, the Tim Keck, the founder of The Onion, sold The Onion. He invented writing bullshit in the AP style. That's Tim Keck. Right. Love it. He's and a genius. He is. Everything that has flowed from that pot-addled brainstorm of his and Chris Johnson's. Um, he was moving to Seattle to start a paper. I said, oh, you should have an advice column. Everybody reads advice columns. He said, excellent advice. Why don't you write the advice column? Oh, shit. And I wasn't angling for the gig. It wasn't right. like, I hope he gives it to me. Yeah. I was just being a bossy cow and telling someone right. what to do. Right. But course. that happens. You come up with the idea and you get guilted into yeah, doing you it. Do it. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, it turned out good advice. It did yeah. turn out. I didn't know where the clitoris was when I first started writing a sex advice column for straight people. And you can read and all about that it? in my well, new book. Oh. And that brings us to one of our other points. You <laughs> had some uh, a message for Maggie Gallagher. I'm not sure if anyone here knows who Maggie Gallagher is. Uh, the lovely and She charming. said that she felt you weren't qualified to give sex advice to straight people based on the fact that you were gay, but you pointed out some obvious uh, facets of who Maggie Gallagher gets sex advice from. Maggie Gallagher thinks that I shouldn't give sex advice to straight people because I don't know what women are like because uh -huh. I don't fuck them. Right. Um, but she thinks that everyone should take orders from the Pope. 
who doesn't fuck women either. I'm and his so crowd. if the standard by which straight people should take sex and relationship and marital and right. uh, reproductive advice is do you fuck women, then the entire Catholic Church is excluded right, off from meddling list. in the lives of straight, sexually yeah, active people. At least visually, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, we have so many questions from our Facebook listeners that I want to get to in the next segment, but so I'm, I'm racing through some of the highlights from your books, but this was another great one. Um, you say, truthers believe that 9-11 was an inside job. Birthers believe that Barack Obama was born in Kenya. Deathers believe Osama bin Laden is alive and well and living in the Lincoln bedroom. And Herman Cain is a choicer because, like other choicers, he believes, despite all evidence to the contrary, that people make an active, conscious decision to be gay, lesbian, or bisexual. So what exactly did you ask Herman Cain to do? Um, I call it the choicer challenge. Whenever I meet somebody, uh, sometimes I go on Christian radio or conservative groups, whenever somebody says it being gay is a choice and I determine that they're straight, I ask them to prove it. Prove that being gay is a choice by choosing it right now. Suck my cock. <laughs> and it's amazing that this ability to just win the argument. You can. You think there's a, a switch in our brains that you can right. flip and make yourself gay. Let's you, you win. I will videotape with my phone. I will make a video of you sucking my dick and I will say, this guy wins. It's totally true. He chose to be gay in this moment and Gave me a it wicked, a terrible amateur terrible. hour blowjob, but <laughs> worst case scenario, you might get a blowjob from an amateur. From an amateur. Well, there's well, that. As long as they don't have proclaimed amateur. That's right, true. Maybe. You never know when you're going to run into a ten you've, haggard you've in a situation. Seen, right. Like that. You see how it goes in the video. The allegedly straight guys end up giving great blowjobs, but uh, that, they give the blowjob for... that they wished they had gotten at some point in their straight life yeah. that they didn't because they weren't sleeping with men. Exactly. Exactly. Well, we have so much to talk about with Dan Savage here on the Dinner Party Show. We're heading into the dessert portion of the evening where we will Everyone's be favorite. fielding questions from our party people on the Facebook page. But in the meantime, we have a special report from our critic at large, Jordan Ampersand, I understand, was oh, in great. studio this week. Okay, that should go well. Oh, it always does. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, the studio isn't burned down. That's what you need to know. Okay, excellent. So next up, Eric Shaw Quinn talks with Jordan Ampersand, and then we're back here with Dan Savage for dessert. Well... Allowing him back in the studio may be one of the worst mistakes we've ever made, but so was hiring him to work on the show in the first place. So please help me welcome critic at large Jordan Ampersand, who is... Jordan? Are, are you crying? Sort of. Well, knock it off. Don't tell me how to feel. You're here to review Man of Steel. It's a superhero movie, not a tearjerker. Pull it together. Eric Shaw Quinn, I need for you to be nice to me today. I'm feeling very lamb-skinned. Thin-skinned, Jordan. The expression is thin-skinned. But they have lamb-skinned condoms, right? Yes, but you're not a condom, Jordan. You are a condom repository. I'm very upset today, and I need you to not act like you for the next 20 minutes. Jordan Ampersand, if you expect this segment to last more than five minutes, the only thing I can act like is Mama Bear, whose cubs have been threatened. I think the bear community would be very accepting of you. Ugh. Making fun of you isn't making me feel any better. I'm still upset. What about Man of Steel could possibly have upset you this much? It's not just the movie. It's the coverage of the movie. And one what? fact in particular, which is being reported again and again and again, and it's making me feel violated and unsafe. You? <laughs> Please. A traffic cone in a tub of Crisco would feel like a light breeze on your end. Why are you old? Jordan, Man of Steel. 
now. Fine. This weekend, I saw Man of Steel. For those of you who don't know, Man of Steel is based on like a 60 or 70 year old movie that's also based okay, on a okay. comic. Let's calm the fuck down. The first Superman came out 35 years ago, not 60. Anything more than 20 is basically the same number. Anyway, the original Superman is really old and has a lot of blue in it, and Margot Kidder was fun when she played the screaming lady reporter, but it was more fun when she went crazy later and became the screaming crazy lady in the dumpster for real, so why anyone would want to remake this movie, I'm not really sure. It's not even doing that well at the box Um, office. Excuse me, excuse me. It's doing amazingly well at the box office. Domestically, it earned upwards of $120 million during its first weekend. Um, excuse me, but domestically, I was at the movie theater last Sunday, and the only person at the box office was some large Latina girl named Elena, who gave us all kinds of attitude because Fitzpatrick was wearing his bearskin cap with Chaser Christmas light fringe. Well, Elena sounds like my kind of girl. You can have her. I'm sure she'd make a great addition to your mom junk game in the park. Mom junk? Oh, almost a zinger, but it's called Mahjong, you little shit. Anyway, the movie was loud and violent, like Eric after Mexican, and it was in 3D, but I don't think the glasses work if you're stoned, because everything was blurry, and if the guy from Boardwalk Empire was in the movie, then he was dressed like a bronze turtle, and that just didn't make any sense. Anyway, I got home, and I started reading blogs about the film because I wanted some more information about its star, Henry Cabs. That's not his name, Jordan. Yes, it is. No, his name is Henry Cavill. English people don't pronounce L's or I's. That's complete bullshit, Jordan. I've had enough with the fucking profanity today, all right? The point I'm trying to make is that Henry Cavs has a girlfriend, and this is unfucking acceptable oh. I sat through the whole goddamn movie with entire fucking buildings and helicopters and Diane Lane's wig flying in my face, and the only thing that meant anything to me about it was how fucking hot Henry Cavs was. I and see. then I got home and found out he's dating a woman, and this is unacceptable. He's too fucking hot, and I'm sorry, but that's a hate crime. Ooh. How on earth is that a hate crime? Hello, aren't you an activist? Anytime you don't do something a gay guy wants, it's a hate crime. No, it isn't. In fact, if someone doesn't do something you want, I'd say it's positively heroic. Look, we have to put a stop to this, and if we band together as a community, we can. Put a stop to what? Hollywood can't be allowed to make movies with really hot guys that I have no shot at being boyfriends with. (laughs) Jordan, you've never had a boyfriend. That's not true. I have six right now, and three of them have told me their real names. Boyfriends don't just come over for 20 minutes once every two weeks. You're changing the subject. There's a subject? Henry Cavs needs to be my boyfriend. Then you might want to get his name right. You're not paying attention. I'm paying too much attention, which is why I want you dead right now. This is a crisis. No, let me tell you what the crisis is, Jordan Ampersand. There's no evidence that Henry Cavill is gay. But if he was gay, and if there was a snowball's chance in hell that someone as beautiful, charming, and intelligent as him would be remotely interested in someone as narcissistic, superficial, and willfully ignorant as you, then I would unleash a virus capable of wiping out all of mankind in a matter of days because there would be no hope for the human race left. How's that for crisis, Jordan Ampersand? Somebody has a crush on Henry Cavs. Get out! 
obviously there are strong feelings on both sides of this issue. What are you talking about? He's mine. Don't you go anywhere near him. See, party people? He's mine! What is that? Ow! Ow! Uh. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. And now it's time for dessert. Brought to you by your sister's new husband who's had way too much wine. I mean, everybody's cheated at least once, right? I, I, I mean, am I right? The Dinner Party Show. Keep listening if you've got the stomach for it. Welcome back to The Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And being served up for dessert this evening is Dan Savage, the super <laughs> activist, super journalist, super advice columnist, as we've been calling him all Extra evening. Extra special dessert. <laughs> Absolutely. We have tons of questions for you from our party people, which is what we call our Facebook listeners. And I'm not actually holding those in the right hand currently. <laughs> <laughs> but we've hidden them from Christopher somewhere in the studio. And... Absolutely. And we will be announcing the winner of the contest. We're giving away a signed copy of your book, Dan, to one of our question askers this evening. We'll be announcing that later in the show. Very exciting. Absolutely. We have this question from Jason Mark, who's a loyal listener. He's curious to know if you felt that the It Gets Better idea got hijacked by anyone who maybe didn't have similar interests. And he refers to a group of Mormon students from BYU who started making a sort of similar video in which they said, I once had same-sex attractions. It gets better. Yeah, <sighs> there were some alternate reality, uh, bizarro world that gets better videos. We got in grief from some people because after it began to explode, uh, on the advice of Tim Keck, the founder of The Stranger, we had everything copyrighted and trademarked internationally. Mm -hmm. uh, and some people thought, oh, we were trying to make money, we were going to sell t-shirts in airports like those Life is Good t-shirts and try to trade on this. Life the success is Good of it. is trademarked? Yeah. Wow. And the, 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 the point, the reason we did it though, is because we were worried that some people might hijack it. And there was a group in yeah. Sweden that started an anti-gay "It Gets Better" project, and we were able to, because we had the trademark internationally, shut them down. Good for you. Wow. But there, you know, we can't stop people from, you know, doing all bizarro world sort of "It Gets Better" riffs. Uh, nor would we want to, you know, when an anti-gay group or. Uh, some psycho does and it gets better sort of parody, they're actually acknowledging the power and the force and the reach of the It Gets Better project right. in a way that I don't think that they realize. Right. So I'm not going to, I don't lose sleep over the, the Mormon like Bizarre Like Brokeback parodies to great press for yeah, Brokeback. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Was there anyone you wanted to get involved that didn't? Uh, an elected Republican official. Wow. The bar wasn't set so high. Um, mm -hmm. The bar was, uh, you just don't want queer kids to kill themselves. You didn't have to sign off on the whole LGBT civil rights agenda. You know, right. we had the video from Barack Obama before he was for marriage. It wasn't like you had to sign off on everything and then you could participate. And we couldn't get a single elected Republican official to participate, national figure. No uh, Republican senators, no Republican wow. congressmen, no Republican governors, no Republican anybody. Uh, certainly not Sarah Palin. And that's, you know, we get into this trouble with the project like, there's 150,000 videos now. And right. it gets better projects in Paraguay and Uruguay and Vietnam and Chile and Australia and the oh UK. Oh, my God. And of that 150,000 videos, fewer than 300 are politicians, celebrities, and corporations and sports teams. But those are the ones we talk about all the time. And for my money, the most valuable ones are the everyday, average, ordinary LGBT people that no one has ever heard of. And what we hear from the kids who the project reaches and helps is that those are the videos that really spoke to them. Like right. the peer-to-peer -peer communications. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Because that seems true. 
if you're a zillionaire celebrity. Yeah, hearing from Keisha that it better? gets better yeah. <laughs> is one thing. And God bless Keisha, she was yes. a really early contributor Absolutely. to the project. But hearing from some like lesbian from a very similar background to yours who has a real job and a real community and a real life um, that's just average, that she loves her life too. And that you can live an average, you don't have to be Ellen to be happy and loved and successful right. as a lesbian. Right. It doesn't it's hurt, it's but a, yeah. It's a great campaign, but it also occasions like that question, what does better mean? And is better for Ellen different than better for, you know, guy trying to be out gay guy in, in Columbia, South Carolina? We didn't say it gets utopian. Right. We didn't say it gets awesomely perfect. Right. Uh, but, you know, life ultimately is disillusion, disease, and death. Uh, it's still better than we high school. We also didn't say that. It's still better than high school, right? Like, right. it gets better than middle school. It gets better than high school. And you make it better for yourself. Right. You build that I life got better is what really happened for me. Right. I, I stopped, like, assholes still kept saying horrible things, and the laws still kept being right. terrible, and we still had to have... Oh, the conversations this this week of listening to people on the other side say what they think about what I ought to be doing in the bedroom. That's still not better, but I'm better. I'm living in a better and place. And those people and, are fewer in number. Thank God. Like the polls are moving our way. It got yeah. better for us because straight people got better about us. We need to claim that victory. Right. That, that we have a majority of heterosexuals now in this country who are on our side. And you get a big shout out for yeah. helping you really, make that a big national conversation. Well, thank you. You really do. And I, I think the other thing too, and we were talking about this a little bit during our, our one of our breaks here, is um, to what extent does social media really elevate isolated fringe figures? You know, I, I have this sense with it. when I log onto my Facebook feed, I would think I don't know what random representative or I wouldn't know what random representative in, I don't know, pick a state, mm-hmm. pick a flyover state, even though that's a pejorative term, um, would be saying hatefully about gay people if some, if eight of my Facebook friends weren't reposting it every five minutes. At what point do we say, okay, this is not, this is a low-hanging fruit, if you will. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? Well, you know, I actually think it's important for us to keep track of that shit. You know, one of the things that I think was going on with the LGBT kind of youth suicide despair crisis was all of us who'd fled and gotten out didn't realize that it was kind of getting worse for them in the right. flyover countries. You know, it used to be, you know, 50 years ago, you talk to gay men in their 80s and they'll say, when I was a teenager, I thought I was the only one in the world. Um, I'd never heard of gay people, right. but neither had his peers at the time. Mm-hmm. Now everybody knows about gay people. So that gay guy who, when he was 15, you know, 50 years ago, could fly under the radar in his little town. The queer kid in that little town now cannot fly under the radar mm-hmm. uh, and is being bullied and picked on. And that anti-gay hate that is sloshing around out there that the Family Research Council and the American Family Association has just pumped into the culture. The people who are really suffering, not us like out and over it and done with queers living in the big city like they can't get us mm-hmm. what they're getting are the kids who are trapped in those communities still who haven't been able to get out yet right and they're suffering almost uh more extreme levels of bullying uh and uh, you know name calling than we did right. when we were kids guys my age when we were kids because people didn't think every weird kid was a fag because most of my kids when I was in high school, middle school didn't know what a fag was. Wow. Plus, they're also hearing Rick Santorum or whoever out of context. There's no buffer for them. That's the thing that upsets me the most about people like that is that the... I don't give a shit anymore what Rick Santorum says, but the kids are hearing that. Like, what I always want to say to people, what about the children? I always want to say, what if your kids are gay? Right. And the kids... It's not so much that even the gay kids hearing it is the problem. Straight kids watch their parents in shitty flyover states. Um, <laughs> they watch their parents beat up gay people at the ballot box and beat right. up gay people with their right. checkbooks. They go right. to church on Sunday, some shitty mega church hellhole in the suburbs. The pastor's beating up gay people from the pulpit. 
and straight kids are lapping all this up and they're being told that gay people are an attack on the family, an attack on their family. And then, you know, mom and dad go to the ballot box and vote against gay people's rights. Right. But that kid goes to school and there's the queer kid. Right. And he's watching all the adults in his life beat the shit out of the queers and he feels that he has that same license, only he's right. going to do it with his fists yeah. and in the hallway at the school to an actual living, breathing, vulnerable human being. A right. child. As opposed to the abstractions that the pastor and the mom and dad are attacking. Yeah. They don't know any gay people, but their children know gay people. Right. Because at every high school, middle school in this country, there are gay kids. Right. Absolutely. And lesbian kids and bi kids and trans kids. Yeah. How important, you know, do you think for too long we just sent the message of get out when you can? I mean, was that partially what It Gets Better was about? It was about trying to actually make a better world for them where they were right now? You know, the project can't end bullying, and the project can't improve the lot of kids who are trapped. And we have to remember that there are some kids who are in such dire circumstances, they can make no move. They can just go underground right. and wait yeah. and Rough flee. Yeah, it out. Yeah, and those are the kids we, you know, our hearts kind of ache for. Right. Um, the kid who is growing up in a part of the country, in a town where there isn't a GSA in the school where their parents are bullying them to, where they, they cannot come out, they cannot make it better for themselves, they cannot be the kid who forms the GSA. They just right. have to tough it out. I think the message we sent to a lot of kids that was unhelpful was coming out is the big, is the is the end of all your troubles. Oh, yeah. And coming out is, as we know... Just the beginning. The beginning of new troubles. Right. The beginning of new troubles. Better troubles, often troubles that can lead to... The ones we should have been having all along, Sex and fulfillment and partners. But you're going to get your heart stomped on. You're going to be betrayed... You know, and I was never Pollyanna. Jeffrey Dahmer, remember him? Mm-hmm. He ate my friend Tony. I wasn't one of those guys in the bars thinking, oh, because everybody here is gay, everybody's good, and on my side and my gay brothers. Yeah. Part of me was thinking, there could be a good, another gay cannibal in this room for me, and, and I can't right. be Yeah, I've been discriminated more in, against more in the gay community than I ever have in the straight community. Because like, you live because, in the gay community. Yeah, because that's where I live, and that's who's around me, and we're just still people. We're 10% of everybody. Right. Great guys, but also terrible guys. And and we we actually have a higher percentage of terrible. Yeah, we can't argue uh, that you know because of what we're put through by the culture, homophobia, um, and you know rejection and and the shit that floats around that we commit suicide at higher rates, we drink at higher rates, we abuse drugs, abuse sex. Um, that there's these pathologies that we tie to homophobia, and rightly so. Right. But then we can't turn around and say, but we're healthier. We have to understand that a lot of gay men are kind of walking wounded, have been really damaged. Right. And your trick as an out gay adult is to. Work on yourself to undo the damage and to make sure you're avoiding people who haven't done that work and are still limping around damaged and to not have them in your life. Yeah. And not move through life as an openly gay person thinking, all gay people are my brothers. All straight people don't like each other. All Jews I don't know. like each other. All <laughs> Catholics don't there, like no each other. Group. There That's is this The great sense. challenge yeah. to coming together as a community has been that we are as diverse a community as there is. Right. We are 10% of all of those groups. Right. And right. the people who really become ex-gays and become very bitter and lash out at the gay community, they're people who had this irrational expectation of what it would be like to be out. That being out would be some sort of endless birthday party thrown for you by your mom. It. As yeah. opposed to, there's a space and an opportunity for you to gather some good people around you and create your own community in the gay community. But the gay community is not a bunch of people who love and support you and have your back. Yeah, absolutely. And because you you opened the door to this topic, we saw the closing of one of the, quote, leading beacons in the ex-gay movement this past <laughs> week. The Exodus Ministries closed. <sighs> we have a lot of listeners who want to know what your thoughts are on that, and particularly if their apology was, quote, enough. No, people are yeah. dead. Uh, there are people who went through Exodus who committed suicide. There are people whose relationships with their families were forever destroyed because they failed to change, that Exodus didn't work for them when Exodus was telling their parents that it, their program had worked for others. And so people rejected their children who stayed gay 
um, not because they failed, but because Exodus was bullshit and it failed them and couldn't help them. Um, so, you know, Alan, uh, what's his face saying that he's very sorry, uh, for the hurt he might've caused without saying, uh, there's blood on my hands that, uh, an ocean will not wash off, um, wasn't enough. And right. they're reforming and coming out of some new group. And Alan Chambers says he's still against gay marriage and he still believes in a biblical model for sexuality. So he really hasn't come around. What I think you're seeing with organizations like Exodus and, um, the Marin Foundation is this kind of shifting gears, like the sick, sinful, perverted, they are hateful, attacking the family, this bullshit that they were selling the culture about us for 40 years since Stonewall, people aren't buying it anymore. Mm -hmm. So they're shifting to God hates fags, but now with hugs. <laughs> that I'm sorry. That's lovely. I'm sorry that, that, that I did these hurtful things, but yeah. God still fucking hates you. Just so we're clear, but will you hug me now? And well, like, no, fuck you. You're yeah. still part of the problem. We have a listener, Todd Berry, who's curious to know what you think Chambers should do specifically to make amends. If you were God, Dan Savage, <laughs> what would you have Chambers do? Uh, I would have Chambers um, cleaning bathrooms in gay youth centers and organizations with his tongue for the rest of his fucking life. <laughs> and maybe that's exactly what he wants. So I would have maybe. to see. That Eric? Might, that might actually, have to, yeah, that might make him happier. We would than... have to hook him up to a penal seismograph to make sure he wasn't getting a boner from that. Right? I want that to be hell for him. But he should <laughs> devote himself to a lifetime of service. Like most of the people who were forced into Exodus were gay teenagers uh, and lesbian teenagers. Right, of course. And a lot are... of those kids were really really fucking harmed and many uh, many 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 of them committed suicide as a result of being told that they weren't right with God and if they just worked hard enough and prayed hard enough and if God really was loved them that God would change them and it didn't work and that instilled so much despair that they literally killed themselves. Alan Chambers should shut the fuck up and go the fuck away mm -hmm. and clean toilets somewhere for the rest of his life in silent contemplation of his sins. Yeah. If I was God, I'm clearly a very Catholic God. Yes, absolutely. Eric, if you were God, what would you have Alan Chambers do? Well, maybe I wouldn't go the bathroom cleaning route, but I think, yeah, devote yourself to actual Christian service for the very people that you said that you harmed that to me mm -hmm. would be an actual that would be retributive that would be a way in which to actually make an amends to show that you've changed your behavior because just, an apology is not an amending apology your behavior and forming a new ministry yeah. like they're Oof, forming a new yeah. organization they're going to like and every I, i'm very down on religion like so many of them are just pyramid schemes and scams and money grubbing and he's just forming some new money grubbing orgs who never has to work an honest day in his life right right um, we have a question from Mike Martinez. He wants to know, how do you keep your cool when faced with an obvious bigot on a Q&A panel? This sounds like a great opportunity to talk about your sit-down with one Brian Brown. <laughs> In answer to a challenge. Absolutely. Uh, I, Brian Brown came to my house for dinner. Um, that was a fun and uh, exhausting Who's the head evening. of a hateful organization, if you don't know? The National Not Organization the star of for FF. Marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Not the Australian actor yeah. who was so handsome <laughs> and charming. This is, the, this is what is he, Maggie Gallagher's replacement? Yeah, or? he took over after Maggie Gallagher, who okay. founded the organization, National Organization for Marriage, left. And he challenged me to a debate, and he said, anytime, anywhere, I could name the time and the place. And what he wanted was for me to fill an auditorium with screaming queers, because their whole argument now is that we're the intolerant ones. Right. And so he wanted to be shouted down and then to be able to release a video saying, look, look how intolerant they are. Right. And I'm dumb. I'm not that dumb to give Brian Brown the optics and the video he wanted. Right. So he said, anytime, anywhere. So I said, my house after dinner, just you and me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that neither of us could play to the peanut gallery, but it wouldn't give him what he wanted. And because right. I didn't think he was dumb enough to then come to my house for dinner, because it would give me what I wanted, which was Brian Brown's people who would watch us to see that Terry and I don't have horns. We have a very normal home life. This right. is our son. Um, 
I didn't think he would say buffalo on the wall. We do have a buffalo. I didn't think he would say and a six foot plaster Jesus. I didn't think he would say yes. <laughs> so I didn't tell Terry in advance oh, that I had wow. invited Brian Brown to dinner. <laughs> wow. Uh, and a lot of was, honey. There was a lot of debate after the uh, the debate was released. A lot of people arguing online on the YouTube clips and blogs about who won the debate, Brian Brown or me. Right. Um, and if you read the chapter I wrote about it, you will see that my husband Terry. <laughs> He won the debate. <laughs> there was some stuff that went down after the camera stopped rolling, and Terry clearly was the winner. Okay. But how do you keep your cool? You just remember that you're not really, if you get into an argument in a public forum with someone like that, you're not really arguing with that person. Brian Brown wasn't going to bring me around to the anti-marriage, anti-gay side, and I wasn't going to bring him around. Absolutely. We were talking, each of us were talking to the persuadables right. who might be tuning in, and we have to be confident, as we've seen with the polling data and all the positive movement in our direction, that persuadables, when they fall, they fall for us. Mm. They, they come over to our side. So you need to, when you speak with somebody like that, it's an opportunity. You need to be sort of charming and confident that the people you're actually talking to, which is not the bigot, but the persuadables who are listening right. in, that you have a better advantage, you have a better chance of winning them over than your opponent does. Yeah, just a little doubt. And since we're actually right, that's pretty easy to bring about. <laughs> since God doesn't actually weigh in on this kind of shit right. at all. Or and exists. since they don't even follow any of the rules in that book to begin with, I know. Yeah. why on earth would we enforce just this one, just because they say so, even though they don't do any yeah, of the you other You can put stuff. us to death for sleeping with each other. So right after we finish putting your daughters to death for not being virgins on their wedding night, yeah, like right. fair's fair. Or killing you for wearing that polyester blend. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. M. Ross Michaels says, Dan, from my eyes, you have lived a wonderful life, a good life with a charming family and great intellect, much like the host of the Dinner Party Show. Yes. Even though this is your weekly announcement that Eric and I are not a couple, if you are a tall British crime solver, find Eric on please, Facebook. Please call me at home. That's his weakness. Um, today, or you... Or Henry Cavill. Just Henry Cavill. <laughs> just come on by and the rest of you can oh, go Oh, you're the gay guy who likes Henry that, Cavill. I'm the one. Okay. I, I would just like to borrow Cordover Street for half an hour if he's listening or <laughs> I think two he hours. Lives within two or three blocks of here. <laughs> he does, and I'm waiting for Tom Daly to get just a little bit older. Okay, uh, today you, Dan, speak with a lot of teenagers and young adults. But what do you wish someone would have told you when you were a teenager or a young man in your twenties? Oh my God! Um, to get over myself, uh, <laughs> you know, I was. Uh, it really took my my very first big important boyfriend who, you know, I was struggling. I was Catholic, struggling a lot of like shame about my sexuality and my desires and my kinks and everything else. And he was the first person who said, honey, sex is just supposed to be fun. Like, relax and enjoy it. What else can you do? Right. Um, Tommy, Tommy Ladd uh, was his name. And he mm -hmm. was a wonderful guy. And he really sort of brought me around. And if somebody, if Tommy's attitude towards sex had been a part of a sex ed curriculum in high school... Uh, I think I would have been a lot healthier a lot sooner, as would everyone else. Everyone else would benefit from his sort In of the whole world. loving, blasé yeah, attitude right. toward desire and sex and intimacy. Because why not, right? Absolutely. Up with people, he called it, right? <laughs> Up with people's butts. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, that's the musical I want to see. Okay, a similar question earlier, this one from Chris Martin. He says, how do you handle when you are confronted with bigotry and hate in the moment, like in a random sort of street co uh, corner encounter? And uh, do you make it a priority to keep your cool and come out on, quote, top, which he puts in quotation marks? <laughs> I make it a priority not to get murdered. Um, I make it Good a priority. Call. You know, you want somebody calls you a faggot. You want to, like, kill them. But you have to assess the risk uh, and reward in a situation like that. 
Um, and so there have been times when somebody called me a faggot, and I don't know, faggot, that word doesn't bother me. And I've sort of like laughed it off or joked with them yeah. about it and gotten in their faces. Uh, but there have been other times when I was like, you know what, there's four of them and it's a dark street yeah. and I'm not going to be Norma Ray at this moment and yeah. die because yeah. this is not worth it. So yeah. let them have their little victory. They called me a faggot and I'm going to go home and I'm going to suck my husband off and I'm going to win. <laughs> <laughs> Eric smiles and I, waves. I wave. Yeah. I'm like, hi. <laughs> they drive through the neighborhood, uh, through West Hollywood and yell out the windows and I wave, hi. Yeah. I was in a... Um, uh, I used to do this in Chicago because there was a lot more gay bashers who'd cruise Halstead, which is the, the main right. drag of Boys Town in Chicago when I was a teenager and right. going to the gay bars. And I would always ride my bike down there and, um, the, you know, a car would go by and they would scream faggot. And I was notorious among my friends because I would I would already have a rock in my hand. We would walk down the street and I'd find a rock on the ground. And as soon as that car screamed faggot at us, I would step out into the street. I would shatter their windshield and then I would run into a gay bar. Because what were they going to do then? That's genius. And then they had to drive back to the suburbs and explain to their parents why and why where and how their cracked. windshield was. No, not cracked. Destroyed. I would whip that rock. You really got a big rock. I was a Chicago Catholic motherfucker from the north side. Like, Excellent. Tough Irish boy. I was a sissy and nervous and afraid, but I was also not going to take it. And you had a good throwing arm. And I had a good throwing arm. And then good running legs. Right after the throwing, there yes. was the running Running part. is the key to this strategy, and we're not, don't try this at home. We're professionals <laughs> here. Yeah. All right, so Rick Santorum. We have a question well from- Well done. <laughs> just beautifully done. Thank I, you. Periodically, I just log on a few times. <laughs> I appreciate it. Just to add it. to the count. Keep just spreading to keep Santorum it up there up to the, the top. top. Yeah. Uh, this is the question. I'm just going to read it verbatim from our page. Christopher Ott would like to know, he says he's a Pennsylvanian. We got Santorum out of the Senate. How do we get Santorum out of the carpet? <laughs> now, I'd like to add I'd like to add to that. What do you think is next for the living, breathing Santorum? Well, quickly, uh, Ryan Landry, who's this hilarious uh, sort of drag burlesque uh, performer that I worked with years ago, but it, uh, I think he's in P-Town now, has a wonderful song called All the Sheets Are Brown Because the Town is Gay, about <laughs> Provincetown. If you're worried about Santorum on the carpet, you need to go with brown shag or... Uh, or a, a lovely, deeply, richly colored patterned Persian rug, because then you're not going to yes, see the stains. Right. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Um, yes. But if you're doing anal, the, the, you know, the new definition of Santorum, the frothy mix of lube and fecal matter that is sometimes the byproduct of anal sex. For my money, the most important word is sometimes, because if you're doing anal sex right, right. there's no Santorum. Right. The senator or the substance, no Santorum at all. That would be great. So if you're getting Santorum on your carpet regularly... You need more fiber in your yeah. diet. You need to take a crap before you get fucked in the ass. You, you don't have anal sex with yeah. a, your ass full of shit for the same reason you don't have oral sex with your mouth full of food. It makes a mess. <laughs> I was hoping you'd say that. I read that in your book just the other <laughs> night. I was like, oh, God. Because <laughs> I didn't have to say it. I you worked it, it in. <laughs> you worked it. Well done. So the the living, breathing, fire-breathing, horned Rick Santorum, what do, you, what do you think is next for him? He's going to run for president in 2016. Uh, he's going to do really well. He may even get the Republican nomination. Jesus. He, Wouldn't that so? be great? It would be awesome. It would be the best be thing that so happened great. Democrats. He won 11 states uh, in 2012 and then went on to lose to the guy who went on to lose to the Democrat. Lost to Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney lost to Barack Obama. Ronald Reagan won 11 states in 76 and went on to lose to the guy who went on to lose to the Democrat in 76. Gerald Ford and Jimmy Carter won. So Santorum sees in that, you know, the, the blessing of St. Ronald Zombie Reagan. And right. he's out there really? talking about that now. And right. the Republicans have always nominated the next in line. Wow. And that could very well be Rick Santorum. So are you ready? I embrace. If Rick Santorum wins by some like cataclysmic I can't chain of 
But I still can't imagine that Ronald Reagan will be elected president. So don't ask me. Yeah, me either. Yeah. But if he wins, I fully intend to, to move out of the country, lest I be audited every six months. <laughs> but wouldn't it and, be and great? And the president has drones now and, and like a kill list. If Ronald Reagan is president, or if Santorum's president, I'm a dead man. Right. But wouldn't it be great for him to be asked in the debates on CNN about the Google hijacking of his last name? Google sponsored one of the debates. And there's <laughs> pictures of Rick Santorum standing next to a huge, the Google on the wall. Right. It's like Google. Santorum, so which was always perfect. my excellent mantra. Excellent. So. Well, Dan Savage, we could keep you here all evening. It's been a come joy to have again. you. Please come back to I the dinner party. I would love to. This show. time you're in really LA. fun. Absolutely. I've never been served champagne before on a show. Excellent. Delicious. There's plenty more where that came from. Right. Always for um, you. The new book is called American Savage. It's available through our website and everywhere books are sold. And uh, yeah, and we'll be back very shortly to do a brief wrap up and to announce the winner of one of your signed books that you just very generously signed for us here at The Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you're listening to The Dinner Party Show. Thanks, Dan. Thank you guys very much. It was a pleasure. And now, Jonelle Sams for Best Served Warm, part of The Dinner Party Show's public service commitment. Hey, I'm Jonelle Sams, Dinner Party Show Relationship Consultant. You probably know me from my on-air homemade relationship advice column, but tonight on Best Served Warm, I'd like to take a moment to help raise your awareness of bed death. I was not aware of bed death until I overheard some of the girls from the softball team my husband coaches talking about it. I was curious, so when I got home from their annual arm wrestling and snake stomping fundraiser barbecue, I looked it up. I was living in a fool's paradise. Turns out, bed-related deaths claim the lives of most Americans. More people die in bed than anywhere else. We hear about marches for cancer, and bike rides for heart attacks, and dimes for birth defects, telethons for kidneys and such like, but no one is doing anything about the alarming number of people who die in bed each year. I'd like to offer a little common sense advice I got from my husband of 22 blissful years of marriage, Merle. Why not just sleep on the couch? That's what my Merle does most of the time, and he's fine. With the number of lives lost and families destroyed in bed each year, it just stands to reason that we can head off the trouble so many find between the sheets if we just stay out of the bedroom altogether. Until we know more about this silent, comfortable killer, we all just need to sleep in the den and avoid taking the risk of not knowing what's going to happen in bed. This is Jonelle Sams reminding you that avoiding bed-related death is just a lazy boy and chenille throwaway. And that's advice that's best served warm and cozy. Well, that Jonelle, huh? I love that we had, it's all about relationship advice. This I'll week. say we put one relationship expert up against our own relationship expert. Well, not against. They were just in concert. <laughs> I'll say. I'll say. <laughs> well, Dan Savage was here earlier, and wow, what a gentleman. What a gracious and charming Absolutely. guest. Absolutely. We, we loved him. We were already big fans of his work, but we were even bigger fans of his demeanor and his uh, generosity. Yeah, I'm a bigger fan now than I was before he got here. I hope that's true with all of you out there as well. Absolutely. And he signed some books for us. He signed a book for our contest winner. We told you that if you posted a question for Dan Savage on our Facebook page, we would do a drawing from those names. And we did. And so now we're going to draw the names. Okay. (laughs) Out of the big hopper. Okay. And the winner is... 
M. Ross Michaels. Congratulations. So next week, we're doing our first in a special new series. It's called... Live from Poison Creek. And what's going to happen at Poison Creek? Well, at the... Jonelle Sams is hosting her own talk (gasps) show at the Poison Creek Mall. And I would point out that the Jeffersons... And Maud started on All in the Family. So in just that way, this could become a spinoff. Anyway, so that we're going to have, it's the 4th of July week, and so we're going to have a very special uh, talk show hosted by Jonelle Sams. And not to be outdone by Miss Jonelle Sams, I'm being told that critic at large Jordan Ambersand is being flown at our expense to Poison Creek, somewhere in the deep, deep south. Yeah, And he'll be doing fashion reports at the Poison Creek Mall Excellent. during Jonelle's show. Yes, he'll be meeting with uh, the merchants there at oh. the Poison Creek Mall. Oh, the merchants that Jonelle often references in her reports. That's correct. Oh, I'm, my. I think I'm sure they're all, it's a small town, so I'm sure she knows them all. Okay. So join us then at the usual time. 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. <laughs> Thank God somebody remembers, because I never do. We've only been doing this show for half a year, Eric Shawquin. Next Sunday, July the 7th. And thank you for joining us here today. On the Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shawquin. And we'll be back next week. Thanks. I've been to a marvelous party.